0: Welcome in, everybody, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Nice to have you along as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view, America's most biblically founded sports talk radio program. It's sports talk without all the trash talk. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. And we start this week kind of on a sad note with the passing of two sports legends this past week, former Green Bay Packers quarterback Bart Starr and then Boston Red Sox, L.A. Dodgers, Chicago Cubs, great Bill Buckner, both passing away this week. Starr was a four-time pro bowler. He threw for 24,718 yards in his career. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1977. He passed away at the age of 85. He led Green Bay to three NFL championships in the early 60s, as well as to the first two Super Bowls. I don't think they were called Super Bowls at the time. That name was later attached to them, but the Green Bay winning both, and Starr being the MVP both times. I don't know for sure if Starr knew Jesus Christ as his Savior, but at the very least, Jesus had an impact on his life. Athletes in Action put out a gospel track some years ago, or at least a pamphlet, in which they quoted Starr in this way. Star says, growing up in a strong Christian environment provided me with many valuable lessons about family, school, athletics, and most of all, God. Like most kids, I idolized one sports figure or another. However, Jesus was the ultimate role model for me. In my effort to succeed as a football player, I went through difficult times, but my experience paled in comparison to what Jesus endured during his life, torture, humiliation, and death. Through it all, his attitude never wavered. His example inspired me to approach life's trials in a similar fashion. Starr was one of the greatest, uh, just one of the game's greats, and someone who always seemed to carry himself with a lot of dignity, a lot of class, a lot of grace, as did Bill Buckner, who, unlike Starr, never did win a championship. And in fact, there are plenty of people who put the blame right on Buckner himself for the fact that he never did win a championship. Many have forgotten, perhaps many have never even knew, that Buckner was one of the, he was a great baseball player. For his career, he had 2,175 hits. That's more than Ted Williams. That's more than Ernie Banks. He drove in 1,208 runs. He hit 174 home runs over 22 seasons, playing for the Dodgers, Cubs, and Red Sox. And towards the end of his career, he played with the Angels. He played with the Royals. He hit three twenty-four. In 1980, to win the National League batting crown, he had a career average of 289. I mean, this was a terrific ball player. Yeah, He appeared in two World Series, 1974 with the Dodgers, who lost to the A's in five games, and in 1986 with the Boston Red Sox, who of course lost to the Mets in seven games, and for which Buckner is so often unfairly remembered and blamed for. Buckner's legacy Seems to be having committed one of the greatest errors, the, the biggest blunders in all of sports history, certainly baseball history. You might even be picturing it now. You might even be hearing Vince Scully's voice calling the play as you see it played out in your head. The Red Sox led the series three games to two. It was game six at Shea Stadium in New York. Boston took a 5-3 lead in the bottom of the 10th. The Mets came back to tie the game. Ray Knight was standing at second base. Mookie Wilson was at the bat. A routine ground ball up first base. Buckner, who was playing first, let it just trickle through his legs into the outfield scoring night. It sounded sounded like this. 5-5 five, five in a delirious 10th inning. Can you believe this ball game a Shea? Oh, brother. 3-2 and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. The highlight has been played as often as any that I can recall. And over the years, Buckner, he never hid from it. He always seemed to carry himself well, despite that constant reminder. It was always played. He was always asked about it. And many people seem to forget that this was Game 6. This wasn't Game 7. The Red Sox still had another chance to win the series. And for that matter, the score was tied when Buckner made his error. So even if he had fielded it cleanly, even if he had got the runner, got Wilson out at first, The game would have continued. The Red Sox still had not won that game. And one of the other things that is also forgotten, while people blame Buckner for the loss, Red Sox pitcher pitcher Calvin Schrolde was the losing pitcher in both Game 6 and in Game 7 in relief. Schrolde pitched four innings in that series, had an ERA of 13.5, giving up seven hits, six earned runs, walked three guys in four innings of relief. Now, I'm not suggesting... Blaming Chiraldi, of course. Anyone familiar with the game knows that it takes a team to either win or lose, but I am saying that way too much blame is put on Buckner. Yeah, he's the easy target. He was released by the Red Sox midway through the following season, came back to finish his career with Boston in 1980. I think he might have even been released halfway through that season. But after his playing days, he had to move away from Boston because the backlash from that play was so Red Sox fans were, we're just fierce.
1: You know, we talked about this before, but um, the day that he passed away, just about every headline that I saw included a reference. It was like, you know, B- uh, Bill Buckner, remembered for World Series error, passes away at age you know, 69 or whatever. And I was like, the guy just passed away. You can't come up with something else to put in the headline. Like, that just seemed really awful to me. So unfair.
0: Many fans, many even in the Boston area media, made life difficult for Buckner. They held a grudge against Buckner for decades. The chill only beginning to thaw once Boston actually did win a World Series in 2004. Buckner went back to Fenway Park in 2008, I think it was, throughout the ceremonial first pitch at the team's home opener, and the fans gave him a standing ovation that seemed to last forever. I don't know how long it was, several minutes. I do remember seeing the highlights for this, and it was just one of those moments that you were like, Good for him. He was he was visibly moved, moved to tears. How did Buckner handle all that negativity? Buckner says it was his faith. He's quoted as saying this, I understand that. I had to be strong enough to take it. He added, it's life and everybody has to deal with something. And most of the time, it's a lot more important than a baseball game. You're talking about cancers, children, and those things that are much more important than baseball. You have choices and some people can't deal with it and some can. Spiritually, that helped me. Buckner took the positive, found the positive in the situation, saying, I'm a person of faith, so there's a lot there. I've had a lot of people call me and thank me for giving them directions to make it through, and that's a good thing. Buckner dealt with a lot of negativity. Like I said, he had to move away from Boston. This was, you know, people came down hard on him. One of the most effective ways to deal with negativity, to retain a positive outlook, as Buckner did, is to prayerfully keep an attitude of gratitude, if you will. Gratitude keeps us reflecting on God, keeps us reflecting on his love, being thankful for the good things you have in your life, whatever it is. Maybe it's food in the refrigerator. Maybe it's gas in your car. Maybe it's those types of little things. Thanking God every day for that chance to live one more day. First Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us that in everything we're to give thanks. Also make it a point to spend some time with God. That's also going to help in handling negativity. As opposed to focusing on that negativity, just take a deep breath and focus on Jesus. Praying, listening, as Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And of course, trust in God. Instead of focusing on those things that are negative in your life, those things that worry you. Yes, I know that that's not as easy as it is to say, but Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verses thirty-three and thirty-four, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Buckner was sixty nine years old, his family releasing the following statement following his passing. After battling the disease of Louis body dementia, Bill Buckner passed away early the morning of May twenty seventh, surrounded by his family. Bill fought with courage and grit as he did all things in life. Our hearts are broken, but we are at peace, knowing he is in the arms of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His family has peace, knowing that Buckner is in heaven, that peace is available to every one of us. What a comfort that is in a time like this, certainly for the Buckner family. But there's only one way to know that you will go to heaven when you pass from this earth. And I wonder, do you know? where it is you will spend eternity it, it once it, it, that inevitable day when you pass away jesus says in john 14:6 i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me jesus is the only way because he's the only one worthy he's the only one who never sinned and yet though he never sinned he gave his life He gave his life up on the cross as a payment for the sins that you and I have committed in our lives. His death, his burial, his resurrection make it possible for us to be redeemed in the eyes of God to go to heaven if we accept the free gift which he offers. John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible promises that by confessing to God our sins, asking forgiveness, that he will forgive us, that he will cleanse us from the stain of sin. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you'll do that. I hope if you haven't done that in your life, that you'll pray to God, that you'll admit to him that you're a sinner, that you're guilty, and ask him to forgive you. That Tell him that you believe he died on the cross, that you believe he was buried and rose again, and ask God to forgive you and help you in repenting from sin. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Time for a break, but if we can help, as always, feel free to reach out to us through our website. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. Thanks for being with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program.
1: When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at mcafeeremodeling.com.
2: If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
1: Along
0: with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. This week, we say hello to Linwood, California, one of the many places to download last week's program. The show is available at your convenience via podcast. It's downloaded each and every week all around the world. Former NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle, raised in Linwood, California. He was the commish from 1960 to 1989. Good long run for him. Weird Al Yankovic, also raised in Linwood. Tennis star Venus Williams and multiple class, multiple weight class, world championship boxer Shane Mosley, both born in Linwood, California. Thanks for listening in Linwood, wherever you're listening from, whether it be on the radio or through our podcast. We thank you for being with us as well. Time to shine, Zach. Time for you to give us your shenanigans statements for this week.
1: Number one, Pittsburgh Pirates GM Neil Huntington recently advocated for a rule change that would allow players who are pulled from a game for possible concussions to re-enter the game if they pass a medical evaluation. Truth or shenanigans, this rule change should be implemented ASAP.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Why not? In the NFL, you know, they go into the tent, and if they're cleared, they're back out on the field, mm-hmm. right? So why not? I, I think it's a good thing to take a guy out. Whether the guy wants to get out or not doesn't matter. Take him out of the game and make sure he's okay. But if he's okay, let him back in. He shouldn't have to stay out of the game because you made a lineup change. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's a good rule.
1: I think so too. And part of it for me is when I think about the mentality of players, a lot of them don't want to report an injury and be pulled out. They want to stay in a game. So I think a good point. if you allow a guy who gets his bell rung to check out of the game, get tested for a concussion, and come back in, you're not going to see players trying to hide them anymore. I think that could only be a good thing. Red Sox second baseman Dustin Pedroia announced this week he's taking some time away from the game to decide whether or not to continue attempting to come back from a severe knee injury. Truth or shenanigans, it's time for Pedroia to retire. What do you think, Zach? I think it is. Hmm. Um, For one thing, I mean, he's been trying to rehab this knee for, what, a year and a half, two years. It's just not working. Uh, Another thing is that Look, he's getting old in baseball years, and he's a little guy. He's taken a lot of beating, a lot of wear and tear. He's not going to be as good as he used to be. And then you look at where the Red Sox are. They have a lot of guys who can play that position. Michael Chavis has been fantastic since coming up. They have Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt there. So the Red Sox also don't really need him and don't really want to send any of those guys back down to the minors. So I think that combination of things says, yeah, it's time for Pedroia to hang him up. You know, I'm going to say shenanigans.
0: I, I'll acknowledge he's 35 years old. It may very well be time, but that decision is his, and I respect the fact he's going to take a little time to make that decision because a professional only has so many years to play the game. Mm-hmm. Man, if squeeze every ounce out of it. If he's willing to continue the grind of rehabbing and enduring and the discouragement of those setbacks, then, man, I say more power to him. I get it. The Red Sox are in good shape, but there's one thing you said there that I'm not sure I agree with, and that's they don't need him. Man, Dustin Pedroia's heart—they want that. They want him there in their dugout. I get it. They got some guys that could take his place, and they may offensively, defensively, may not hit him, but not one of them has the heart and soul that Pedroia is. I say shenanigans only because I, I like what he's doing. Take your time, make your decision. Figure it out. And if he thinks it is, then then great. But I don't think anybody ought to force him. He's been, he's been a great ball player for the Red Sox.
1: That's true. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott's latest off-field incident, an altercation with a security guard at a concert, should be the final straw, and the team should not re-sign him.
0: You know, I'm not a Cowboys fan. You know that. But I'm going to say shenanigans. I think that sometimes professional athletes, especially those who have a little bit of a past, they're not given a fair shake. Not only are they immediately assumed to be guilty. Right away, they're just guilty as soon as anything hits the press. They also have to deal with people egging them on, antagonizing them, people looking for their first 15 minutes of fame. You know, I I believe in second and third chances. For me, it comes down to whether or not that athlete is repentant, whether or not Ezekiel Elliott has a repentant attitude about it. Uh, that's what God looks for. For forgiveness of our sins, and that's what I think I ought to look for. I think if a guy is repentant, then it shouldn't be the final straw. Now, I will add this, that some organizations have a reputation and earned the reputation of overlooking people's sins, overlooking mm-hmm. their flaws just because they can play their sport exceptionally well. Yeah. Not saying the Cowboys do that. Yes, I am. Sometimes <laughs> it becomes very difficult to distinguish from the outside which way it's actually going down
1: yeah i'm gonna say shenanigans as well and look i'm not an ezekiel elliott fan he's a really good football player but he seems like kind of an airhead and an aloof kind of guy but i mean like you said people are looking for guys like him to try and poke the bear and see what can happen and i think before you end up just getting rid of the player you should at least try to work with the player maybe get him a life coach or something i think there's other things you could do you're listening to the beyond the game program when we get back
0: you like that one more thing so come on back
2: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Birds are chirping, leaves are actually growing on the trees, and I think all those dirty snow piles are finally melted. Which means those unwanted pests are going to start invading your outdoor barbecue or building nests in your gutters and getting into every other possible crevice. But thanks to Town & Country Pest Solutions, they don't have to bother you anymore. Bees, wasps, ants, spiders, raccoons, skunks, and of course their specialty, bed bugs. They do it all. Remember, they have been in business for over 25 years and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Time for our You Like That segment. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As far as the St. Louis Blues are concerned, Zach, their treasure is their people. Each member of the full-time staff working for the St. Louis Blues received a surprise memo in their inbox recently, prior to the start of their Stanley Cup's final series with the Boston Bruins, which read, You're going to Boston for the Stanley Cup final. Ownership had arranged for chartered flights, for each full-time employee, as well as families of players and coaches, to be in Boston, not just for Mondays, but also Wednesdays, Stanley Cup Finals games. Blues president Chris Zimmerman said, Creating a successful team on and off the ice is a monumental task. We ask a lot of our staff to deliver the best possible experience in every part of our business. Our decision to bring both our core business team and the players' wives recognizes both the sacrifices and commitment we ask of our entire Blues family to reach the Stanley Cup Final. The Blues are in the Finals for the first time since 1970, coincidentally against the Boston Bruins. And doesn't that seem remarkable to you that the Blues haven't been to the Finals since 1970? They had been to the playoffs from the 80s, 90s, into the early 2000s for 25 straight seasons and never made the Finals. Anyway, the St. Louis Blues ownership group treasuring their employees, not just their players, and flying them to
1: Boston for the Stanley Cup Finals is what I like that? this you week. Like that? What I like this week was the emotion that Cubs outfielder Albert Elmora showed Wednesday night after his foul line drive hit a four-year-old girl. I'm sure you've probably seen the clip. Um, he hits a rocket that hits this little girl, and a grown-up picks her up and goes running up the stands to get her to emergency. And He's kneeling down with his head in his hands, and then the, really the iconic image of the night is He goes out to the outfield to play his position, and the security guard comes over and tells him she's going to be okay, and he just hugs the security guard and just cries with relief that he has not seriously injured this little girl. And in a time when we like to accuse uh, athletes of not really caring about the fans, it was good to see emotion from Albert Almora. So that that? is what I liked this week. Well, folks,
0: here we are at the end of the show, and I thank you for being with Zach and I here on the Beyond the Game program. I invite you to join us again real soon, maybe even next week as we continue talking sports and mixing in biblical perspectives. But here's just one more thing. For crying out loud, it is time, it is beyond time for Major League ballparks to put netting far enough down the lines to protect fans from being struck by hard hit line drives as we saw this past week. I know you can't eliminate every possible injury scenario, but I believe we can eliminate a lot more than we are now. This week, a young girl at a game between the Cubs and the Astros in Houston was struck by a ball hit by the Cubs' Albert Almora Jr., and she was taken to the hospital. Reminiscent of other similar situations we've seen in recent years, players, fans, especially Almora Jr. himself, visibly shaken by the sight. Almora fell to his knees near the plate, appeared to be in tears, had to be consoled by teammate Jason Hayward and manager Joe Madden. It took several minutes for the game to resume. And even when the game had ended, Amara was still clearly bothered by these events. Now, Minute Maid Park in Houston, just like every other ballpark, as is required by Major League Baseball, they have netting, but it only goes down to the end of the dugout. This young lady was sitting a few feet beyond that. She was three or four rows back. And the obvious question is, why end it there? There are still line drives, obviously, which regularly go into the stands at great velocity. This is an age in baseball where players and organizations are focused on things like bat speed and exit velocities. So doesn't it just make sense to extend the netting in response to those focuses? Now, I've heard the complaints. I've heard people complain that they don't like watching the game through netting. And I got to tell you, I, I complain. Completely dismiss those complaints. After a minute or two, I am certain that people are used to it and, and don't even notice the netting anymore. I'll give you an example of those seats behind home plate, which are more expensive in most cases. They're behind netting. You go to an NHL arena, it's behind netting. It doesn't seem to be a big deal. And secondly, with all due respect, it really doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's, it should be the way it is. Because I believe that protecting fans and eliminating scenes, such as we saw the other night in Houston, is well worth it. Sometimes people just cling to traditions. They cling to traditions that no longer make sense because, well, it's just the way it's always been. Times have changed. The game is faster than it's ever been before. Jesus scolded the Pharisees and the scribes in Mark chapter 7 because they valued their traditions beyond even the commandments of God. Mark chapter 7, verses 7 through 9, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Now, following the game, Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant, he reiterated his call for Major League Baseball to extend the netting around the field of play, telling ESPN there's a lot of kids coming to the games Young kids who want to watch us play, and the balls come in hard. I mean, the speed of the game is quick, and I think any safety measure we can take to, you know, make sure that fans are safe, we should do it. And that's a great point. There are kids. Kids are not paying attention. They're not watching every... In fact, adults aren't either. You're not watching the game the entire time. That's our show for this week. Remember that this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and because of your financial gifts which make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please keep us in prayer, asking that God would not only use this sports radio program to impact those who hear it, that he would provide financially for the considerable expense that goes along with bringing this program to you. If you'd like to have a part in making this radio ministry possible, Please visit our website, btgprogram.com. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.